I'm Dean Olsher, and you're listening to The Really Big Questions. It's the podcast where we ask the really big questions. And today we want to know, why does music move us? My search for answers took me to Harlem, to the United House of Prayer for All People, which is where the McCulloch Sons of Thunder make music. They let me come by on an evening when they were rehearsing in a small meeting room. The ceiling was low, the lights were fluorescent, and none of that mattered. The moment they started playing, the room was filled with the electricity of their music and their movement. One player who had just come in from his job working for the city transportation system changed out of his uniform, and he was especially on fire, dancing ecstatically while the band played. The director of this band is Elder Edward Babb. We have been organized 52 years ago. I was 17, going on 18 at the time. We're still there. I was Sue's phone player. It's a ripe age of 84. Our bass drum beater wasn't here tonight, but he'll be 95 this year. And so our nucleus, six of us, is still there for 52 years. We play this music from our souls. Sweating, tie is wet, shirt is wet, even my socks are wet. And so we give our body, our soul, and our spirit to render this music. Spending time with the band while they played highlighted how music can transcend differences in life circumstances. As I spent more than an hour with them, I was listening to them practice, and the music moved me physically and emotionally, and I definitely experienced chills. And this is not a word that I use casually. It's a term used by neuroscience researchers, including one at Wesleyan University, whose name is Psyche Louie. My last name is Chinese. The first name is Greek. <laughs> How do you define chills? Well, chills is defined as goosebumps or goose flesh or skin orgasms. Those are all sort of terms that have been used to, to define chills. But in our experiments, it has to do with an intense aesthetic experience that people get when they are, when they're perceiving some art that's really subjectively kind of emotional and strongly emotional to them. So it's that strong emotional response that's so very tied to a physical response as well. Psyche Louie does research into other areas of music psychology beyond chills. Well, in general, I'm interested in music perception and cognition. Um, so everything having to do with you know, why some people can't sing to why some people have this exceptional ability. And that has led me down a path of looking at individual differences in music. Um, and there's really not very many things about music that are more individually different than, than our personal preferences and tastes, right? 
Um, so there are some people who will really honestly say that some pieces of music like Justin Bieber are just really, really, really moving to them. Uh, and then there will be some people who will say, you know, uh, there's something about Rachmaninoff piano concerto that that's really doing it for, for me. Right. right? So, so there are these huge individual differences in musical preferences. Uh, and yet a lot of people will report that they do get these strong emotional responses to to music. And then on the other hand, there are people who never seem to respond to, to music emotionally. And so, so there's this wide variety of individual differences. And so that's what really got us thinking about the brain differences that might exist between people who are strongly emotional about music and people who are not. And what are you finding? So right now, the most interesting findings have to do with brain structural differences between the people who are strongly emotional towards music, so our, our chill group, right, people who always report getting chills to music, and people who are on the opposite end of that spectrum, people who never report, who, who report never really uh, getting chills towards aesthetic responses, specifically in music. Uh, and what we're seeing is that the brain connectivity, structural connectivity between auditory areas of the brain and areas of the brain that are involved in emotion and social processing are more strongly connected among the people who have chills. I'm going to run a little experiment now about musical preferences and chills. I'm going to play something for you that creates chills in me. Let's see if it does so for both of us. This is Tuvan throat singing. The people of Tuva in central Russia are famous for being able to sing more than one pitch at a time. They know how to use their vocal cords to bring out the overtones. Psyche Louie is not the only researcher who is interested in how music puts us in a state of mind that's best described with hyper-colloquial terms. Peter Janata at the University of California, Davis, is interested in how we groove to music. Do you have a single-sentence definition of groove? It's the pleasurable urge to move that's elicited by music. But I believe similarly important part of the the definition is this sense of unity that people feel with the music or people who they're engaged in the music with. As I understand it, this is a word that has caused trouble for you. How come? Well, it's not exactly a word that one wants to trot out there casually. Um, it's it generally conjures up associations of uh, bad hair and bad clothes from the 70s. So, and by bad, you mean great. <laughs> well, yes, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Well, it's one of these terms, you know, I think whenever you take a term from folk culture and then try to establish that as a, as a scientific concept that one can study rigorously, you know, it meets with some raised eyebrows. I see. So you're trying to get... Uh 
credibility as a researcher, you're using the word groove and people in academic circles raise their eyebrow. And so why didn't you come up with another word that sounds more scientific? Well, yeah, it's a good question. I, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, I, I think groove is only, you know, one word that one might use for trying to understand a, a phenomenon that's multifaceted and, and requires a fair amount of explanation. But but part of it is it's important to connect with constructs that people out there in the world identify with. And so, you know, it's important then to use language or labels for things that, you know, more or less people know what you're talking about. So flow is a word that I know. Is groove related to flow? Uh, Yeah, I think in many ways. There's sort of one critical way in which they differ, but otherwise I, I think that many of the underlying mechanisms are the same. And so what's the way that they're different? Part of the operational definition of uh, flow is that you're performing at the edge of your abilities mm-hmm. and, and everything works, you know, like everything clicks and you're able to perform well, but you are at the edge of your abilities. That may also be true of many experiences in which you feel like you're in the groove, Uh, But I think that groove can also be experienced when you aren't necessarily at the edge of your abilities. This is a big part of the mystery. As I mentioned, the McCulloch Sons of Thunder make me move, they give me chills, and yes, that sense of unity was definitely there, even though I'm not a churchgoer. But remember the church's name. It's the United House of Prayer for All People. And while the music continued, we were as one. posted video of our visit with the Sons of Thunder on our website, trbq.org. There you'll also hear the hour-long radio special on Why Music Moves Us. Catch up with us on Twitter and on Facebook, and that's a good place where you can ask your really big question. This podcast is produced by Chris Julin, Flora Lickman, and me, Dean Olsher. The Really Big Questions is a project of Sound Vision Productions with funding from the National Science Foundation. 